1: Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Thanks for hitting the subscribe button, the follow button, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. We really appreciate everybody who follows what we do. And if you join the club, we'll be delivered to your eyes and ears first thing when we drop an episode every day. We've got a couple topics today to talk about, James. The first of them is going to be the Bengals franchise quarterback, Joseph Lee Burrow. We have a question asking about what step he might take and how the offense might change from our mailbag last week that we're going to make into a topic today. There's also a question from that mailbag that I thought was something we should probably address, which is the timing of the Joe Burrow extension. We'll ch- hit on that one as well. We'll chat about that. And then we'll wrap up with Jackson Carmen. A lot of people wondering how he looked early in camp. Of course, mm-hmm. not available to the media, but we haven't hit on the Jackson Carmen topic for quite a while. And so we'll talk about the Bengals potentially starting left guard. But first, James, a question from Senrab Senrav G., from the mailbag last week that inspired this segment is that the Bengals offensive line in place with Joe Burrow's mental processing ability and the receiver's ability to generate yards after the catch. How easily will the Bengals offense reintegrate deeper routes or longer developing routes and give Joe Burrow the time to take five and seven step
0: drops? Oh baby. I I hope that this is the biggest change. I I hope that, the The shackles, because this is what happened last year in in Zach Taylor won't admit this, but it's true. They took the part of the playbook that had five and seven step drops, and they they took it out and they put it in a storage locker. and they locked it up and they threw away the key because they knew damn well there was no chance, especially in super Bowl fifty six, that they'd be able to run those plays, Jake. So yeah, hopefully someone found the key or broke the door down and and found a way. Uh, to get those plays in that storage locker, because that's what I want to see. I want to see Joe Burrow he, – look, he's always going to go off script and try to make plays downfield and all of those things. But as explosive as they were on offense, there was a lot of things I think they could have done with a an offensive line that was much improved. For example, what does Joe Burrow like to do? Empty. Let's run this empty. Let me diagnose and make – play. It's hard to do that in the NFL, but it's much, much harder to do that with the offensive line that they had in the playoffs. And so uh, I would not be shocked if we saw some some empty, some wrinkles, some different things that uh, Joe Burrow likes, that he ran in college, that uh, they tried to do specifically when he was a, a rookie. Um, at the same time, uh, they couldn't do because of the offensive line issues. Here's the thing, though. It's going to be a delicate balance because I think now for the first time, and we've talked some about this, But Joe Mixon actually has an offensive line that should get some push. Lyle Collins should be good in the run game, right? Really good, a a high-end upgrade. Alex Kappa, same thing. So that part of it's exciting as well.
2: Yeah, and I I would like to see and expect to see a step from Jonah Williams too. We talked about some breakout players in our mailbag to finish up last week. Jonah Williams was not one of the topics as he wasn't a second-year player, but I'm really excited to see Jonah Williams – with some continuity around him, and potentially with some better players around him, see if he can take a step. But the question is about Joe Burrow, and and TB at Semrab G made some good points about the longer-developing routes and five- and seven-step drops. And James, you made some good points as well about the Bengals going to do a little bit more empty. And I wonder about the play-action stuff, because like I mentioned last week in the mailbag, every time the Bengals seem to... Put Joe Burrow on a bootleg, it seemed like he was getting hit as soon as he came out of the play action. And with a more competent offensive line, hopefully, I guess it forces defenders to respect the run a little bit more, doesn't let them take free runs at the quarterback in those situations, lets you do more true dropback passing stuff because Joe Burrow, as a true dropback passer, is still really good. You just He just had to extend plays far too quickly last year. And and it's something that I've joked about, James, like ad nauseum from the middle of the year on is the ability to hit those backside digs and come back to the play after the primary read has been executed. And the ability to do that behind an offensive line that could give him time to do that is something that you saw Matt Stafford do in the Super Bowl often. And you see happen in Sean McVay offenses and really offenses around the NFL where the quarterback has a little bit better protection and is still a really good processor because Joe's still going to know where his guys are and there were glimpses of this when the line did hold up for him to get to the backside or the tertiary or or fourth read on a play and and for things to go really well so you combine those things with Jamar Chase after the catch who everybody knows is great after the catch T. Higgins, who is underrated after the catch, and a different but quality tight end receiving weapon in Hayden Hurst to go with Tyler Boyd, Mr. Reliable in the slot. And the reason I don't highlight those two guys' yards after catch abilities is because uh, Tyler Boyd's greatest strength is not his yards after catch ability, although he does have some of it. And I don't really know yet about Hayden Hurst, what that's going to look like. But with the running backs as well in the, in the receiving game, just – Forcing teams to respect a more balanced offense, forcing teams to have to account for your offensive line a little bit instead of just yeah. recklessly attacking you and saying, you deal with us. The, the Bengals should be able to dictate a little bit more than they were in, in 2020, 2021, and I think they tried. And mm-hmm. and it'll go a little bit better this year. And, and a lot of that should be the fact that like, like TV points out, they have a real offensive line at this point.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> it should completely change things for him and, and uh, that's the exciting thing like if there was <clears throat> excuse me, if there was one thing and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see I can't wait to see the two Joes behind this line and in, in what it could do for this offense, what it could do for the excitement around the team because points are fun. People like points. The most casual football fan ever that doesn't really care much about the Bengals, but their friends like the Bengals are they'll watch if they're gonna light up the scoreboard, right? So that's the part of it that that we got glimpses of last year, the explosiveness. I think they could just be such a fun team, too. Is I mean, I get it, winning is fun and all of those things. And I'm not obviously it goes without saying, but this Bengals team, if they're just Doing all these different things and explosive plays and Joe Mixon's running for five and a half a pop. I mean, that's that's fun. And I, I think that there's a, a world where that happens, where it looks a lot like uh, that offense that we saw uh, from the LSU Tigers in, in, in 2019. Not necessarily play-calling-wise, but explosion-wise, big play-wise. Um, the, the, the way Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Justin Jefferson and you know Thad Moss, everyone talks about him. Can Hayden Hurst be the NFL version of that where he's a weapon in the red zone and, you know, the fourth guy? Well, I, I think so. You know, so to me, they uh, th- this could be the best Bengals offense we've seen maybe in my lifetime, maybe in my lifetime, which is uh, is pretty damn good.
2: Yeah. I mean, you think about the history. It's the the years that end in five, 2015, 2005, maybe 2008. In the mix for some of the better offenses that that exist in my memory, because I don't remember.
0: You mean 07, 08 was bad. That was the year Carson got hurt the second time. oh8 eight. I'm just saving you from the trolls that would try to. Is, is
2: it? What did? They, was it the 2007 they went to the playoffs and 2008? Uh, th-
0: they went to the playoffs in 09. Um, they swept the division. Maybe that's that, the year I'm thinking of. Yeah, that was the Cedric Benson kind of breakout year where he would just went wild.
2: I clearly don't remember what year I'm thinking of. But 2005, 2015, those are easy to remember. Right, and this yeah. year doesn't end in five, but could be a very good year for the offense. And the red zone, James, is a really good point. I'm excited to hear and see, hear from hopefully Brian Callahan at some point, but but see what they do in the red zone differently. Because they started out really well there, and it didn't finish quite as strong in the red zone as they started. They had issues Mm -hmm. there the year prior, too. But Joe Burrow extension talks have been a topic this offseason as we're talking about Jesse Bates and the ability to keep all of these players. And let's talk a little bit about Joe Burrow's extension that should be
0: coming soon, coming up next. But first, a word from Bet Online, the number one source for all of your betting needs. I've used Bet Online. You should too. And it could be something as simple as wagering on the Western Conference Finals or. Eastern Conference Finals in the NBA. Hey, this is an NFL podcast, and you might not be an NBA fan. That's fine. Guess what? You can wager on the 2022 NFL season right now at Bet Online. Like baseball, well, they got you covered. Like UFC, they got you covered. Golf, doesn't matter what you're talking about. The bang or the, the Bet Online has you covered. And if you do want to wager on the Bengals to win the AFC North, you can do that as well. So don't delay. Go to Bet Online right now. Sign up for free and check out all the odds, all the props, player props. You don't have to wager on the game necessarily. You can take the over on Luka Doncic's points if you want to make the Western Conference Finals a little more interesting. So check them out right now at Bet Online. It's a one stop shop for all of your betting needs. Bet Online, where the game starts.
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: James, Joe Burrow recently appeared on a podcast that wasn't this podcast for some reason and kind of spilled the beans on the idea that the Bengals let him (laughs) enjoy his Draft night, hearing his name called to be the time that he learned he was a first overall pick. He said that they told him months in advance of the draft. His words. Not a very well-kept secret, but we have a question that that came into the mailbag last week that kind of goes hand in hand. He said the, the question's from who day one. Lots of whys. (laughs) Why would the Bengals be looking to extend Joe Burrow after next season? He still has his fourth year after next season and the fifth year option. What good does it do to sink that massive extension money into his fourth year instead of waiting one more season? The Bengals told Joe Burrow they were going to be drafting him months ahead of the draft. Mm -hmm. They didn't need to do that. They didn't need to tip their hand or do any of those things while they were still doing their quote unquote due diligence. Why would they wait to do the extension from an emotional perspective? Like before you even talk about the financial incentives to get the extension done sooner than later, they didn't wait drafting him. Why wait extending him?
0: Well, that's, that's a good, that's good logic. Um, The the other part of this logic is, is simple. Um, Does, when you think of Lamar Jackson and the Ravens right now, does it feel like everything's all rosy and cushy and nice? Or does it feel kind of awkward? Because to me, it feels awkward. And I'm not in Baltimore. What about Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals? Kyler Murray's shorter than me. Dude plays big a lot of times, but guess what? Hasn't gotten that extension. Feels a bit awkward. Josh Allen and the Bills. How's that feel? Oh, it feels nice, man. It feels like they're sleeping on whatever mattress wants to sponsor this podcast right now. So I could mention the the mattress right here. They're nice and comfortable in Buffalo, right? Like, man, we've got Josh Allen and Josh Allen's like, yeah, I'm in Buffalo. That's what you want Joe Burrow to be. Joe Burrow is that dude. He has a chance to be the best player in Bengals history, not best quarterback of this era or in my lifetime or no, no, no. In Bengals history. So, don't dilly-dally with it. Try to get it done. And as far as financial goes, I know that's the next step. So I'm going to just dive into that, and I'm sure you'll add to it, Jake. But to me, yeah, you have him under you know that fourth year, and, and then you're going to exercise that fifth-year option. But the way you can extend him is extend him past that. Make him your quarterback. So the the fifth-year option would be in 2024 for the 2024 season. Get that dude on our contract through 2032 and make it a 10 year or 2034 if he wants to, whatever it is. To me, the Bengals best bet is to do what Kansas City did with Patrick Mahomes, where you give him literally a 10 year extension and Patrick got 450. To me, it would be five hundred million dollars. We're going to give you half a billion dollars and it's going to have a lot of these guarantees that kick in as the contract goes and all these things. And you do that because you can lower the cap hit sum to extend that window that we talk about on the rookie deal. So that would be my logic. One, you lock up the franchise quarterback, all of those things, but two, it makes it easier to play money, play with money and, and turn things around. Cause the Bengals are going to have to do that a little bit. I think when it comes to these big deals with his receivers and and quarterbacks. And so if you can get Burrow under contract for a decade, you can move that cap hit around a little bit when you need to and restructure and do things like that. I know they don't normally do that, but with the way quarterbacks are going to be getting paid and the way Burrow is going to get paid, you might have to.
2: Yeah, and the fifth-year option is only going to get more expensive too. So like the savings, you're going to get on a fifth-year option for Joe Burrow, who is going to have a lot of accolades on the sheet by then that are going to boost the value of that fifth year option to probably the maximum, which is I think what happened with Kyler Murray. I was trying to find it, but I couldn't quite. Oh, here we go. Fifth year option projections. Uh, Kyler Murray's fifth year option is $30 million. So yeah, you can save a little bit of money, but that's $30 million of a cap hit in, yeah. a, in the year. You look at Patrick Mahomes deal. And the the first year of his extension, the first year that bonus money hit, his cap number was seven and a half million. Then it went up to yep. thirty five million. This year, this year is the first year Patrick Mahomes has a big cap number for the Chiefs, thirty five point seven, 35.8 million. Next year goes up to forty seven or so million, and then it kind of levels out for the most part. But yeah, to, to your point, a couple things: one, the price is only going to go up. The longer you wait the more expensive it gets. If Joe Burrow is going to be the top paid quarterback in the NFL, and he very well could, then if you wait for other extensions to hit, there's more numbers to beat. And a lot of the big ones are out of the way. So that that's fair. Josh Allen is paid to, you know, Deshaun Watson just got this massive deal, 46 million a year. Patrick Mahomes is getting 45 million a year, but this is where you can see an example of that inflation happening because Deshaun Watson is making more money given from a desperate team than Patrick Mahomes by a million Mm dollars per year. And that's only going to go up, right? Josh Mm -hmm. Allen making $43 million a year, coming in a little bit lower. But the other thing all these guys have in common is they signed their extension in year three of their deal. Not, Not Deshaun Watson, but Mahomes signed his extension in 2020 after being drafted in 2017. Josh Allen signed his extension in 2021 after being signed in 2018. It helps spread out the the cap hit because you can maximize the proration of that cap hit. Some of that money can come in to the the fifth year of the deal, I believe is the way it would work. So you can manipulate things a little bit. So Josh Allen, same deal, his big cap hit doesn't come into play until 2023, which is after his rookie deal plus first year option would have expired the Bengals would probably do the same thing, right? So it's not like you're even delaying the money or delaying the cap hits because you're going to manage the cap hits early on to the point where in the fifth year, where it would be a $30 million cap hit, say for Joe Burrow, maybe instead it's a Patrick Mahomes $7.5 million or Josh Allen $16 million. Mm-hmm. So you're saving money on the cap at the end of that rookie contract window and beating the market because it's only going to continue to go up and the goodwill argument is a big deal. I don't want to deal with another Jesse Bates situation except with Joe Burrow because you think that the uh, Jesse Bates thing feels bad? Dude. It would feel thousands of times worse it, it if would be was Joe Burrow.
0: It would be like a black... Like a just avalanche of black clouds just were parked above Bob Brown Stadium. That's it. It would be this thing that's just hanging over your head that you can't get past, period. Mike yeah. Brown will not be able to get past a Katie Black. That's the franchise, right? And so that's, not I agree with you. It's the
2: foundation of all of their credibility as an organization, especially with Ooh. fans right now. They're selling out tickets. You know why? Because Joe Burrow took them to a the Super Bowl. You don't treat the guy well after what he's done for your organization, after how he's endeared himself to fans, mm-hmm. it will go over poorly. And I think they will treat him well. There's no reason I to would, think they won't.
0: No doubt. History says that they will. You know, they Carson Palmer once upon a time was the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. The, the Bengals are going to do that. Like I don't really doubt it. But you don't want to go down that road, and I think they know that. I do. And that's why
2: you don't wait. To finish the show, today we're going to hit on Jackson Carmen. A few of you asked in the mailbag last week and I thought it was a great question. We haven't heard anything about Jackson Carmen's weight for off-season workouts, and he hasn't been available to the media, but we have had some eyes on him. He has been present for the media portion of voluntary practices, but left guard is a topic. Jackson Carmen is a topic. That's what we'll wrap up today coming up next.
0: But first, a word from Built Bar, the number one protein bar on the planet. And if you haven't heard of these yet, they're new and they're amazing. Brownie batter puffs. Everybody likes brownies. Everybody likes brownie batter. Well, imagine a protein bar, 17 grams of protein, only 140 calories that tastes like brownie batter. Well, it is here because built bar, they just outdo themselves. The built team just continues to outdo themselves. Built Uh, the the brownie batter puff bar, you have to check it out. It takes protein bars to a whole nother level. You got to go to built.com and check them out right now. And let's just say you're an outlier and you don't like brownies. Let's just say that. Okay. Well, they got a ton of other flavors for you as well. It's the number one protein bar on the planet. High in protein, low in sugar, low in calories. Perfect for you. So don't delay whether you're Joe Burrow or you're the guy we're about to uh, talk about. Jackson, Carmen. Bilt bars are the protein bar for you. So check them out right now at Bilt.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, for 15% off the number one protein bar on the planet, go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15.
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: What's the most built Bars you've ever eaten in a
0: single day, James? Single day? Four, probably? Definitely yeah. three, but I, I think I had a four, a four day. Yeah, it's easy to do, man, especially with like the the brownie batter flavors, like the unique flavors. Yeah, you're like, oh man, you know. So yeah, yeah.
2: I think I've done a three. Uh, the last question from last week's mailbag that we wanted to make sure we hit on in an extended segment is the Jackson Carmen topic, and this is something that we we probably, well, we not probably, we definitely were going to discuss at some point either way. But a few of you asked about him JoJo Jammer, the question that we tagged. Hasn't read or heard anything about Jackson Carmen's weight, et cetera, upon arriving. Is he talking to the media? Others have asked about the story that came out about sexual misconduct allegations uh, at Clemson from early in his time at Clemson uh, from from a Jane Doe that was well published. The police report was available in that article. And we haven't discussed any of those things. And it appears that the Bengals don't necessarily consider it to be. Something that needs to be addressed, either. Uh, Zach Taylor declined to comment on it when he was made available to the media on the night of the the first night of the draft. Uh, When that story broke, he kind of preceded the press conference by saying, We're going to talk about the draft picks. He was aware of the story about Jackson Carmen. In the offseason program, Carmen has been working with the first team offensive line. Joe Burrow on Thursday tagged Jackson Carmen in a photo of him taking a practice rep saying that it was just a guy and his bodyguards. And Jackson Carmen was one of those bodyguards tagged as one of the first-team offensive linemen. So, it doesn't appear that this is going to be an issue for the Bengals, or something that the Bengals necessarily plan to address, barring further developments. Now, beyond that, there have been questions about Carmen's football maturity as well, his ability to show up in shape. And he... Hasn't been available to the media, James. You said that you, you you didn't see him in the open locker room either. What was your eye test if you got a chance to take a look at Carmen during practice last week?
0: He did look like he was in good shape, and you're you're right. Uh, well, well, first off, it's hard to tell. I mean, with offensive linemen, it's hard to tell. But I, I don't think he looked huge, right, or out of shape. So I, I would imagine he he passes that first box at least. Uh, at this stage of the off season. That being said, wasn't in uh, the open locker room. And th- that isn't, I don't want to say like he's dodging us or anything because players, they go in and out of the locker room, they go get treatment and all of those things. But he wasn't there when we were in the locker room. Um, obviously hasn't been made available. Um, and, and I don't think he will be at some point. We will talk to him in the locker room and he's going to talk. It's just inevitable. It's just a matter of when, not if uh, would be shocked if he didn't at some point. Um, so, he needs to be prepared for that. Um, that being said, yeah, it's, uh, it it looks like he's in good shape, but you just don't know. And it's, it's, it's hard to tell. And, you know, the coaching staff during the draft process pre-draft process signed off on, uh, you know, the, the steps he's taking, but man, you look back at at what Frank Pollock said on draft night uh, about Cordell Volson. And it just, it felt like a message to Jackson Carmen about what to be and what not to be. And, and it doesn't matter about your physical ability if you want to make it in this league, really. Um, y- Cause you got to put in the time and work and effort. And so we'll see, you know, I, I think it's up to Jackson Carmen, but you hear time and time again about he struggled with his, you know, work ethic from da- dating all the way back to high school. Like this is not a thing. I, it's, it's funny when I am critical of Jackson, there are people that'll comment on, uh, especially on YouTube. And it's like, man, why are you so hard on Jackson Carmen? It's like, well, to Fairfield high school. Like it's not hard to figure out what, you know, how he's been, you know, from a work ethic standpoint. So you hope he learned from it. And you, you know, you, you hope that he uh, can give them what they're looking for at left guard. Yeah. As far as everything that went on, I, I would be stunned if the Bengals weren't aware uh, during the, the pre-draft process. I just think you know, I, that's how kind of that article is framed. What did they know? within that I don't, would imagine they were aware of it um so yeah I I don't think much is going to come of it uh from that standpoint obviously it was uh the details in that article are what they are I think fans should read it at the same time um I I don't anticipate you know the Bengals disciplining him or anything because I don't think that came the story might have came out of left field for the Bengals I don't think that info wasn't known I, I would be surprised if an NFL team that did you think about all the work they do on these guys, right. That, that they weren't aware after seriously considering drafting and ultimately drafting Jackson Carmen. It,
2: it is interesting though, that uh, I think the article was written by Kalen Coller caller at the defector. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, I do think it's interesting because the, the article mentioned that there only like four teams asked about or asked for the police report. Or were able mm-hmm. to get their hands on the police report or something like that, yeah. and it, you know the the article discussed uh, talking to talking to scouts who were at Carmen's pro day, and I don't think this was Clemson's pro day. I think it might have been a private pro day that Carmen held. That's not clear to me from the article, but apparently one of Carmen's representatives announced because he didn't work out at Clemson's pro day, but one of Carmen's representatives announced that there was this case happening and that they were confident it would be resolved or something like that. And it wasn't going to be an issue. Um, nobody from the cleansing coaching staff seemed to mention this to NFL teams from the research that was done. And it took some serious investigative work, but you're right. NFL teams generally do a pretty good job of this. I wonder, I think there's, you know, I there's probably a chance they didn't know smaller departments, Didn't necessarily have big plans to draft Carmen until draft night. You know, as the story goes, we don't know all the details here, obviously. But it doesn't seem like the Bengals are going to comment. It doesn't seem like the Bengals are necessarily going to take any action. And that's going to be it, I think, for the Jackson-Carmen story going back to Clemson. The Jackson-Carmen story in Cincinnati will be based on how he does in training camp. There's a lot of competition at left guard. Cordell Volson, the rookie you talked about, James Deontay Smith might be in the mix. There could be a veteran in the mix at some point. There could be some undrafted free agents in that mix. So there's a lot of competition there. But Jackson-Carmen, as of now, is in the front row of Joe Burrow's Instagram post about bodyguards.
0: And honestly, what he needs to do. And when that article came out, um, you know, I, I didn't think they were going to cut Jackson Carmen. OK, I just didn't. Um, and I'm not saying they should. Right. Because, again, I think they were aware. Opinion. You know, if I had to guess. Right. That being said. Um, he better get his, his mind right and wake up, and do the right things, and be in great shape, and if he wants to come work out with me every damn day, then that's fine. It doesn't matter, but you, you got to work out. You got to put the effort in, and Burrow uh, on the, the, I forget the name of the podcast that he went on, but anyways, uh, runs four times a week, lifts four times a week, does maintenance stuff every single day. Guess what? That's what every NFL player should do. Not half of them, not a quarter of them All of them. And if you're Jackson Carmen, this dude that got his head kicked in for most of his rookie year, who was out of shape, who looks like a bust, that's. Get out of it. Show up in the best shape of your life. Show everybody that you can mature and be a, you know, that you are uh, had questionable judgment at best. And, you know, I'll leave it at that because it is allegations and I don't know, but questionable judgment at best at times and quest- uh, an awful work ethic will develop a great work ethic. Surround yourself with the right people. You know, I, in, in part of that, I get it right. you you go home and, and I don't know who he's with or who's around, but if you're not around the right people, get around the right people, hang out with Joe Burrow every day and play Fortnite at, at Burrow's house. Right. Do whatever. Cause he, this dude could make a ton of money and have a great life, or he, he could end up being a backup, you know, in, in, out of the league in two more years. And so that's the part of it is I, I think he's going to have to show it. And to his credit, it did look like he was in pretty decent shape. Again, hard to tell. I wasn't up on him and close to him. Um, but it, it last year in camp, I was really far away and he didn't look like he was in shape at all. I was much closer this year, and it didn't look like he was that out of shape. Which, to me, in turn, I think he's probably in decent shape at the moment.
2: I uh, I hope so for his sake and for the Bengals' sake, and we'll see what happens at left guard. Yep. Should be an interesting interesting competition. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We're still five days a week at this part of the off season, so we'll be back tomorrow